Welcome to another episode of Journey to the Pit. I'm Jim Collins, and I'll be your host this evening. If this is your first time coming to hang out with us over here at Journey to the Pit, what we do is we interview game fire breeders from all over the world to get their inside perspective on a sport and giving us some inside information on how they raised uh, their game foul. So hope y'all guys are uh, looking forward. Looks like we already got a lot of people chiming in already. Um, like we always usually do, won't we let, uh, just let us know how the audio and everything is. All righty, we got Sure Thing Game Farm checking in. What's up, guy, how you doing? Well, listen, guys, uh, we are, uh, again, have a special guest tonight, as we do every Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, our special guest is coming from the big island of Hawaii. Uh, I think, as always, uh, this special guest is, is somebody that uh, we can learn a lot from. Um, he's a small farm. He's not a really big farm. He's a small farm. But like y'all guys always hear me say, medium and small-sized farms are the backbone of this sport. So uh, bringing him in, I think he'll be able to give us a good perspective on what they deal with as far as weather-wise. If anybody don't know anything about uh, Hawaii, depending on what part of the island uh, you live on or what island you actually live on. They deal with a lot of rain, very high humidity, and I know here on the mainland that becomes a ch challenge to some of us. Uh, we all know we get a lot of rain and stuff like that. Sometimes it's kind of difficult or hard on the birds just depending on, you know, your location and stuff like that and also your setup. So uh, we're going to talk to him uh, tonight, man, uh, just to give y'all guys heads up. Everybody checking in, audio a little low. Okay, let me turn up the audio. Appreciate that. Turning up the audio. Hopefully everything is good. We got Kentucky chiming in. We got Mexico. Trey, it seems like you always chiming in, man. I really appreciate that, man. Ronaldo Lopez. Oh, Cali. We got Cali in the house. Jamaica. Jamaica, that's what I'm talking about, man. It's Journey to the Pit Show is viewed all over the world. You know, don't be surprised if you see people in the comment section from Alaska, from England, from Italy, from Peru, from Colombia, like you say, Jamaica, a lot of the Virgin Islands and stuff like that, Mexico, and I think it's a great opportunity. We got Stockton, California, and we got Ohio checking in. We got the Philippines. Philippines is checking in. Texas, Indiana. What's going on, everybody? Hawaii. What's up? What's up? What's up? Yeah, we got a lot of Hawaii's in the house. And just to let y'all guys know, our special guest tonight, like I said earlier, uh, is from the big island of Hawaii. He would actually be the third Hawaiian that we have had on the show. I don't know if y'all guys seen the uh, other two episodes that we had um, of the other two Hawaiians that we had on the show, which was great. Um, I think it's always, and the whole purpose of this show is to be able to share experiences actually literally from all over the world. Um, not somebody traveling all over the world, but actually people living all over the world and raising game fowl all over the world. Because again, it's always so much that we can learn from different situations, um, different size farms, different backgrounds, different experience levels. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for us to learn a lot. You know, you take what you, what you can use out of the interviews and the rest of you just store it. Um, we got Virginia in the house, Hawaii in the house, Mississippi, great state of Alabama. I hear Alabama, St. Lucia. I know that the Island, man, you know, the great thing about also, too, guys, if y'all just, uh, if y'all did not know, but we're now live streaming, um, flying back from home to Miami from Colorado. Dolfo, safe travels, brother, safe travels, Tennessee in the house, Rogerville, Tennessee, 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 
So, guys, if y'all do not know, we are also now live streaming uh, on Facebook, Journey to the Pit Facebook page, and also the Journey to the Pit YouTube channel. So we simultaneously stream into both platforms at the same time. And one of the great things about that is because there's a lot of followers on Journey to the Pit on YouTube that do not have a Facebook account and vice versa. Well, everybody looks at YouTube, but it's a lot of people on YouTube that do not have a Facebook account. So it gives them an opportunity to, to share in the information and knowledge and experience with Journey to the Pit. Uh, we got everybody checking in from all over. What's up, Phil? We got Kentucky. Yes, guys, listen, like I say, we got a uh, Kyle that's going to be coming in soon. Um, from 5K Game Farms. Uh, I put up his flyer earlier this week, like I normally do, just to give y'all guys an idea who we'll be interviewing. Uh, Kyle, like I said, is not a large farm. He's a small farm. Um, but again, I think he can bring a lot of value to us tonight. Um, also, to let y'all guys know, and, and Kyle and I have learned this through uh, doing a mic check, that his battery, I mean, his phone doesn't hold battery long. And we actually tried to plug it up have it plugged while we were doing the mic check and what the plugging when it's charging and actually streaming, it causes a lot of static. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to live stream. This may be a two part interview, but we're going to live stream this as long as we can until his battery pretty much dies on his phone. Then we'll do part two. Um, but again, it drains pretty fast. There's nothing we can do about it. We tried to plug it in and allow it to charge while we were, while we were streaming. And that does not work. You know what I mean? It causes a lot of static. And I want y'all guys to be able to have a great experience uh, while y'all watching the show. So, again, if we have to do part two, that's not a problem at all. I think y'all guys will really enjoy it. Uh, Kyle's a, a father and son team. Um, I don't know if y'all guys uh, have seen him on, um, on Instagram. You know, he doesn't have a Facebook, uh, but he does have an Instagram, 5K Game Farm. So go check him out over there. I think uh, you'll really like his birds. He take very well care of his birds. His yard setup is good. Um, just all the great examples of a of a good game fowl breeder. You know what I mean? Take very good care of his birds. His yard is clean, well organized. It's not big. It's not fancy. But like I say before, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be fancy. But just try to become or try to be a good representation of a game fowl breeder in a sport um, because things become hard on all of us through the lack of dedication of a small group of us. Um, but just checking in, guys are still checking in from all over the place. So we got uh, Georgia in the house, Georgia, Texas. Kyle, we got, we got people coming in from all over. So listen, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get ready to bring Kyle on um, tonight. And some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight is obviously like we always talk about a little bit of his history, you know, the bloodlines that he has, you know, his selection process. Uh, you know, his video chick program that he has, you know, his feeding and all that kind of stuff. And and maybe also talk about how it is to raise birds on an island that's so that gets so much rain and so wet. You know what I mean? So I think uh, that's something that uh, we'll all be able to learn from. I don't know what type of challenges it is to raise birds in such a uh, place that, uh, you know, has so much rain. I know being in Puerto Rico, the humidity is always high, but there's a certain time of the year where we get a lot, a lot of rain. Now, that rain causes a lot of challenges for a lot of us on the island. Um, so, yeah, I'm just checking out some of these things. Saipan, we got Jay Sanchez. Hey, man, I got to give a shout-out to the little island of Saipan way out there so far away. I think it take about 95 hours on an airplane to get there. <laughs> no, just kidding, man, just kidding. 
but uh it's an island i definitely would like to uh like to visit um but yeah we got jay checking in man oh we got the boss in the house i don't know if y'all guys know who the boss is it's layla layla ayala we call her the boss i don't know if y'all guys have seen her on my page but i always like to highlight the next generation younger generation and a lot of y'all guys i interviewed her and her uncle and um it was a great interview if y'all haven't watched it y'all need to get over to the youtube channel journey to the pit and watch her interview but we call her the boss and i think uh once y'all guys see her interview and y'all have seen her pictures and videos and stuff like that on my page you'll know why and her famous saying is the younger generation is coming fast and they're coming hard so just to let y'all guys know Layla, the boss, is a rising star along with a lot of the other younger generation out there. We, we always want to pay homage and encouragement to that younger generation because we will be passing a torch to them. So um, 95 hours. Uh, I'm just looking at uh, – we got AK in the house. You know, AK driving around. I don't know if AK is stationary or he driving that gorilla carrier. You know what I mean? I don't know if you haven't seen that before, but go to my page and check out AK's gorilla carrier. Um, Sometimes it feels longer than 95 hours. I'm just reading some of the comments. But let me go ahead and bring Kyle in. Enough of my ranting. I was trying to let his battery charge up a little bit, but I think it's enough. Uh, let me bring Kyle in right now and welcome him to the show. And, guys, please help me welcome Kyle from 5K Game Farm. What's up, Kyle? How you doing this evening? All right, man. How you doing? Good, good. Is the audio good on your end? I'm good. All right, cool. Well, we can hear you loud and clear. The video looks good. The sound looks good. So let's go ahead and start as we usually do. But before we start, let me just say the disclaimer. All the information discussed in this interview is for historical, educational, and entertainment purposes only. None of this information is intended for any illegal purposes, and all opinions are respective of each individual. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. And uh, it looks like we got a lot of people checking in. I guess you got a lot of supporters. You must be a big timer out there in Hawaii because you got a gang of supporters. <laughs> we got Thanks, gang guys. Of in. <laughs> so we got a lot of people chiming in from Hawaii. But Kyle, let's <clears throat> always start off uh, for the people who do not know you. You know, um, I always like to start off with kind of talking a little bit about yourself and your history, you know, as far as the game value. First generation, second generation, you know, how long you have been in it. Let's start from there. Well, I'm first generation. Um, I got back into birds about 2000 and um, mm -hmm. I raised birds for about 10 years and, and you know what things happen and, and I had to give up raising birds and I never thought I'd raise birds again, actually. And then, um, you know, I found a place and, and, um, I had good friends that never forgot about me that when I took care of them before. So, um, mm -hmm. but this time around, I had a specific goal of what I wanted to make totally different birds than I had the first time around. And okay. before I got out of it, I seen what was doing good. And I always said, it, if I could raise birds again, that's what I would raise. So just so happened when I got back into it, in everything I started with, I, I had it given to me for free. So, you know, wow. I was pretty lucky the when it came to that. Or, or the first time around, you had them all <clears> to <throat> The second time around. So back now, I've been doing it about going on six years now. Okay. So, yeah. So totally different than the birds I had before. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, 
Yeah, like I said, I had a specific goal. Um, when you have birds given to you, they're not necessarily going to be, you know, the goal already. So mm -hmm. I had to acquire a few things. Right. Um, most I got for free, too, from good friends and and just basically put them together. And, and now I run three lines. I get I have my blacks, my pumpkins, and my goldens. Okay. Yeah, and um, so, yeah. And breeding is, I always love to breed chickens. You know, that right. was always something, you know, when you make something and you see them come out and, you know, they're part of you, basically, right. you know, so. Um, Your creation. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. And this time around, it's been, I'm, I'm real proud of what I made this time, you know. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> um, especially the Goldens, you know, like when I first started, I, I had a, my friend gave me a trio, but, uh, mm -hmm. I didn't like the roosters. So I asked a friend of mine if I could borrow his and his rooster was like part sweater. I really don't know what it was, but it was tough and mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to use it. So he let me borrow it. And, uh, out of the two hands, when I bred to the two hands, I got one white rooster. Now my goal was to get white golden. So I took him and from hen A, say hen A gave me the white rooster. Hen B, to me, had tougher babies. So I took the white rooster and I went to hen B. And from down there, I had two white roosters came out of that. And, uh, okay. and pretty much the hen from that one, I went back to the white rooster. And this year I had my first white hen. So I pretty much, you know, I'm pretty much proud of how I got them, starting off with no whites. And you starting know, off with no white. So and, and you started to breed to the white side and that was your goal. I mean, that was your goal from the beginning, right? Yeah, it just so happened uh, the white rooster, he had the nicest body. He was the tallest one. I like tall chickens. So he we was like the tallest them. one. He had the yeah, he had he had the nicest body. And you know, just sometimes it works out like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 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 your goal, is there any particular reason that you you know, was was wanting to create the white. It was, you know, what I mean, is it something? Is any particular reason that you wanted to breed towards that white side like that? <clears throat> Just for the color, basically, you know, um, without losing, you know. Of course, you can't be junk and be white, you know. Right. But uh, yeah. So that was my my goal, basically, to get a color because I never had colored chickens. So, but I I seen that they were starting to do good, you know. Right. So. Yeah, so that was basically my goal for, for that there, you know, mm -hmm. with that blood. As far as my, my pumpkins, all of, all of my lines, they're my pures, you know. They wouldn't be pure to somebody else because my pumpkins right. have green legs or whatever, but that's how I made them and from what I could get. So I call them my pures, just like my blacks, no different, same thing. Right. Um, and... So tell us and, a little bit about that though. So 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 your pumpkins, you know, like you said, they they your pures, they something that you created, which I agree <coughs> is your pure. So, you know, what what's the background of those pumpkins? Um, basically the Larry Carter pumpkins. Um, mm -hmm. mines have uh, Carter and Garma inside, but they have Hatch too. That's just I had to borrow a rooster from the same friend that let me borrow the golden, but all he had was a Hatch pumpkin. But I was good with that because it was tough, you know. So I used it, and 
out of the first batch, I had four roosters. One came out hatch and three came out pumpkin. And then you just breed back to the pumpkin side, you know, so. Um, and they've always stuck with green legs, and I, I don't mind that at all. Um, you know, I hear and people talk about. What's that? Go ahead. Because I want you to explain to us, for the people who don't know about the pumpkin, you know, what is the typical makeup of the pumpkin? Like the leg color, the cone, and all that. <clears throat> So typically a, a pure pumpkin is yellow leg, straight comb, chicken, black tail, you know, and, and the golden is supposed to be uh, pumpkin colored chicken, pumpkin tail, um, pea comb, white leg. You know, basically that was the difference from what I understand. Um, the white golds are what's, you know, popular right now. Um, that I, I really, there's a story online about, I really don't want to get into, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a story about right. Larry Carter and, and how he came about making those and stuff. I, I'm not sure how true it is, but um, yeah. Um, as far as I learn about breeding, like, like anything, it's your money, it's your time, it's, you know, your everything. So making you happy with them, you can call them your peers, you know what I mean? And, and pure is like, to me, is how you hold something when you breed back and you hold them to a certain standard or a certain uh, fight style and, or look or, you know, whatever your goal is in that breeding. And, and I was taught always have a goal when you breed. So, right. so, you, don't, so you don't get sidetracked or if you don't reach your goal, how far away from it are you? You know what I mean? So you, you have notches you can hit, you know, once you have a goal on mm -hmm. On trying to make something, create something. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I did it in this short amount of time, and I was fortunate that good people never forget about me. You know, <laughs> that's right. No, that's right. You know? I mean, that that's that's very important, man. Your character is very important, and believe me, it doesn't go away. Good or bad character, you know, what I mean, people gonna remember it, and how they right. treat you is gonna be a result of your character. That's what I always say. <clears throat> um, totally. So tell us. Tell us a little bit about so we, we, we hear about the um the goldens. So in your punk, you said they have green legs, which is something that's green. not typical, right? Yes. Yeah, just and just because they have a little bit of hatch in them. Okay. All right. That, yeah. so that was going to be my next question. Like, what do you think that green leg is coming from? So it's coming from the hatch side of them. So yeah. how, how long have you had how how long have you had your pumpkins? Uh, six years now, just like the Goldens. I got them all at the same time when I first started, just like the Blacks. Got them all at the same time. Um, I still have the original Black Rooster that I got from my friend. Um, mm. And that's that's how short I've been back into it, you know, six years now. Right. Um, right. I still got the original yet. So uh, it hasn't been that long. Um, right. But breeding chickens is one thing I... I I always loved, and I really took, when I started learning from my friend, I really took uh, a liking to breeding, so I made sure I learned what I could from him about that, you know. Mm -hmm. And so if you ever want to start up again, you know, it's no problem. Right. So, so Kyle, yeah. tell me this. What, what, what do you think, you know, how would you grade yourself from a, the chicken man you are today versus the chicken man you were when you first was in it? You know what I mean? Like when you first, when you came back into it, you know, is it, did you come in with a whole different mindset or did you just pretty much continue where you left off when you first left the sport? 
Mm, a little bit of each, I think. When you know, when when I was with chickens the first time, I just started having kids. Um, my oldest two were young yet, you know, but I was young too, so I made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes, and you know, end up losing everything. And uh, this time around, my kids are older. I have five now. That's where the name comes from, Five K. So, um, okay. I. You know, my, my son now, I have one son out of the five who, who likes chickens, and, and that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But it's different when you have somebody you're trying to teach rather than, you know, when you're young. You know, I can see a lot of the mistakes I made, and you wonder how you made them sometimes, you know. Right. Because they were so, I guess, right in front of you, you know. But... Um, I guess looking at it now from a dad standpoint, um, that's the best way I can put it. Um, you know, you don't want him to make the same mistakes. Same so mistake. I think, yeah. So like this year, even from last year, I make him putting uh, put together all the brood pens, and I've been making him work with the birds because right. you can tell a kid something. You know, even my own kids. I speak for my own kids. You can tell them what to do, but it's not the same right. as them doing it, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah. So that's kind of now. So now this um, time you coming in, you coming in with a different <clears throat> perspective because you're coming in from a father's standpoint and you're basically teaching your, your, your son, you know, to try to prevent him from having the same mistakes. Did you learn, put it this way, you know, when you came back into the sport, did you come in in regards to the birds? Did you come in with, with set goals? Uh, versus, you know, when you was the first time around, it, like when you came in, did you know exactly what you wanted to create the second time around versus when you, when you was, like you said, when you were younger coming into the sport? Oh, yeah. When I was um, younger, y- you have no direction. You're just going. You just want tough birds, trying to get tough birds from wherever you can get from, and you just going, you know. And, and, and the first season always draws you in, I, I like to say. You know, and, and and then you'll get your, you know, your your share of cracks. You know what I mean? And and I'm no different. I got mine, and and you know, you learn a lot from that. If you if you learn, you know, if you don't right. learn, well, you're gonna have a rough time in a sport. But um, <laughs> yeah, I learned, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, you know, I I just don't want that to happen to my son. You know, right? Because because it can be very costly. You know, right. to lose in this sport. Right. In your time, not <laughs> and, just for uh, money, but also in time. You know, I mean, two years to be doing experiments and all that kind of stuff and making mistakes after you didn't raise them two years and make a mistake and ruin something. I mean, it's, it is it is costly, not just in money, but more so in time. So, Kyle. Right. Let's, let's talk. Right. And your time is valuable, you know. Right. Right. And it's a little delay. It's a little delay in the video, guys. I understand that. So just kind of work with us. But there is a little delay uh, in the video. But Kyle, what I would like to know is let, let's talk a little bit about since you have you're moving in the direction over the last six years to creating the, the birds that you want. Um, you're not only getting the colors that you want, but are you getting the attitudes, the confirmation? Are you getting everything or are you pretty much on a track of first step of just getting colors. You know, where you at in your breeding program? 
Uh, I think um, with the Goldens, I'm I'm just about there. Um, the other two, I have to say, I was pretty proud of them from from two years back already. You know, um, like I said, um, I just fortunate to get what I got. You know, right. and and I, I do believe when you breed chickens, that certain people have have a knack for breeding and. I think I do, you know, um, I really enjoy it. And it's, it's one thing I really take pride in when you breed chickens. Like now I might not have the nicest place, the biggest place, but when I put something together, you know, knock on wood, it's worked out for me. So, and, and this time around compared to the first time, I try to teach my boy how, how the business part, the business part of it too, you know, the first time around, I, I never sold chickens, you know, so I was just, you know, showing chickens. But this time around, I want to give them the guarantee money, you know, so, um, yeah. And that, that's a different part about the second time around. So, <clears throat> first. I mean, there's always room for, yeah, there's always room for improvement no matter what, whether it be, mm -hmm. you know, your, your bloodline or... Or always something to improve on something, but as far as the short time I've been in it, I'm pretty happy. You know the stage we are right, right now. Right. <clears throat> right. And well, you know, well, important well, again, to teach my son. We don't have a lot of space, so. So Kyle, tell me this, um, before we move even to the selection part. Well, I think it would actually be a part of the selection part. You know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you take in consideration to determine on what goes into the brood pen. Well, let's talk about first bloodline, your first one. <clears throat> okay, so, so my blacks, basically, you know, if, if, if you had to pick, I tell my son like this, if you had to pick your bloodline to have one thing, you know, what, what would you want it to have? So, of course, he tells me the blacks, you want them to kick, you know, a lot of bottom. So, mm -hmm. so we're going to work on that. Now, I'm one, if I see something, I'm going to try to get them. If I see it at a show or something, you know, right. then offer the guy, you know, offer the guy or something like that. If, if I'm breeding blacks, it doesn't have to be a certain breed. If that's tough to me and it, it kind of fits the look of my bird, I breed it no problem. You know, it doesn't have to be a certain, you know, name, you know, per se, to me, anyway. Um, <clears throat> as far as the pumpkins, basically, I wanted to add the fly, you know. So, anybody who's not as as pumpkins can fly. Um, you know, every bird has a strength. Every bird has a weakness. I'm sure everybody knows that bird's weakness, too, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh yeah, so in, in, in my, my basic goal of that, the two breeds actually was to make black pumpkins, you know, for show purposes. And that's probably my go-to line, you know, right now. That's my favorite, my favorite blood that we have, um, the black pumpkins. Uh, and pretty much from the first time I bred the pumpkins, I got the fly. And the first time I bred the blacks, I got the bottom. So, you know, I was happy. With, with how they came out. Right. Um, when I put the right. two together, they came out exactly as I hoped they would. 
And, right. you know, whenever you breed something, you can always hope or know how they're going to be, but you never know until you breed them, you know. And I guess I was just fortunate, you know, to – I was happy with how they were. Right. You know, I like, I like tall chickens. I like chickens that kick, you know, and I like chickens that can fly. And right. to so, me, that so was a perfect combination combination so you, you haven't crossed them over like you're not mixing your pumpkins with your blacks and you're not doing it you're keeping just three lines and you staying keeping those birds within those three lines correct no 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 i cr i crossed the um the pumpkins and the blacks and the goldens and the blacks oh i've crossed okay. the pumpkins and the goldens um yeah so um, I kept the I keep the three lines separate, but for show stuff, I cross them, and uh, okay. the black pumpkins and the golden blacks. That that's basically how I make them. I made um, golden pumpkins, and they just didn't have the extra to me mines anyway. You know, I just didn't suit. I basically stick to the crosses. So so. You yeah, do cross them. Um, so basically you keep your three lines the way they are so you can you so you can do those crosses, battle crosses, basically, right? Right. Okay, <clears throat> got you. So tell me this, Kyle. So let's talk a little bit about you said you like, you know, tall birds. So do you like tall birds that's narrow? So you like high station. You know, do you like broad backs? You know what I mean? Do you like long, you know, the angles on their tails? Like, what are some of the characteristics that you look for uh, to determine what goes in a root pen as far as on the body structure of the bird? Well, well, we like the nice football bodies, you know, um, straight keel bone. Um, pumpkins are big chicken, even the goldens. They're, they're running close to six pounds. You know, they are big, um, so you got to kind of watch yourself there. But um, w when I cross them with the blacks, the two of them, they become medium-sized chickens, some little larger, but mostly medium-sized chickens. Um, when I breed them to the, to, the, uh, to the blacks, the pumpkins, they'll either come either blacks or hatches. They'll like, they won't be pumpkins. They, won't, they, they might not even show pumpkin in them okay. you know so uh they look like either black or hatches when i cross them yeah <clears throat> but uh so, as far as um yeah as far as bodies the pumpkins and the goldens they got they got the similar body structure you know mm -hmm. long bodies tall station um so pumpkins are taller than the goldens a little bit but the goldens are pretty tall too my blacks aren't aren't so tall but they cross well and they become, you know, they become good station when I cross them. So when you cross them, huh? Wow. So, so is that something you learn from doing the experiment? Like you say, you don't know until you do it. So you did that cross. Was that something you was looking for or you didn't even know that was going to happen when you did that cross? Well, yeah. Um, I didn't know because the rooster on the black side was short. Um, when I, when I bred him to, uh, a hen that was gifted to me, this other back hen that was gifted to me, uh, 
the babies came out tall. So, you know, when I crossed them, there, there was part of me that knew they are going to be okay. But there's mm-hmm. always a chance it might not be, you know, so. Right. You know, I, when it comes lucky, you know, so. <laughs> well, you tried it. I mean, it, dude. I mean, that, that, I, mean that, I know right, some I, people, yeah. I mean, I, I know some people is not as lucky. I, I, I had a friend that no matter what he tries, he, his chickens just don't come tall at all. And, um, right. and that's what he's trying to do, you know. So, uh, but yeah, until you try, you never know. Then the, the more people you know, right, the more people you know, um, you know, the easier time you're going to have trying to get to where you're trying to go. You know, right. so like I said, I was just fortunate. Yeah, but you got it. I mean, you made you made you know you made the right choices, and it's all a reflection of your selection. So you're basically trying things, seeing how it's turning out, and then make adjustments from there, right? Right. So right. Kyle, and, let's talk. You know, like I said, lucky. Very little here. adjustments, if any. Go ahead. No, Kyle. I know it's I know it's a delay, so that's that's why I'm just just pausing because I know it's a it's a delay. Like when I say something, I know it takes a little bit of time for you to to do it. But what I was just basically saying yeah. is you're just trying it, okay. your selection, and making your adjustments. Right. Right. Yeah. Bottom line, basically. Right. So. Kyle, let's move towards, you know, uh, the breeding aspect now. You told us how pretty much you, you the body structure that you like, the colors that you like, the crosses that you're doing. You keep, you know, each individual line. Uh, you breed them that way with the, with the whole intentions to make crosses. Now, let's talk a little bit about the, the breeding, you, you know, aspect of it, like your chick care. Do you use incubator? Do you use natural hatch? You know what I mean? How's your program with that? Which one do you do? Okay, so we, because we're so small, we single made everything. Um, and when, when the chicks hatch, we let the mom raise them. We just, I put something under the cage so the babies can run around um, free range. And um, as they start getting bigger, I'll move the pen closer and closer to, a, I, got, I got a big dog cage out there where they all sleep inside. So as they get older, I move the, the mom closer and closer to the, the, the cage and Eventually, they'll, they'll go inside and sleep in there. <clears throat> but uh, I just bought a small incubator here. And, uh, yeah, that thing was uh, – I couldn't get it to, to – you know, it was a cheaper one. It wasn't the cabinet style or anything. So um, it has to be at a certain humidity. And, and like you said, it's very humid over here. So it had to be at 50%. And, and the, it says to fill up the water tray, and I couldn't – get it to be at 50 percent filling up the tray because it's so humid you hardly got to put any water in it you know so wow i'm running that now it's, it's gonna hatch in a few days so uh yeah that was kind of tricky it took me about three days to figure it out so wow yeah so we're running it for about it three the, days and you know yeah so so you couldn't get it to the humidity uh, that you needed it to because again it's on the instruction told you to do this fill it up with water do this and do that. Well, that situation didn't apply to you because you're living on an island that has extremely high humidity. 
So you got to pr pretty much have it where there's no water in it at all to get it to the humidity level that's required for the incubator, correct? Right. And the instructions are is like one sheet of paper, so you know, not much <laughs> on there. So you know, I didn't see just to fill up the tray, fill up tray, uh, port port A, fill up port A. So I filled up port A, and we were at like eighty percent humidity in there. <laughs> wow. So, so yeah. So tell me this, Kyle. So you do do single mate, right? Yeah. Single, single yeah, mate and that's, natural That's hat. what we do mostly. Um, single mate, and I, I let the moms raise them. Yeah. Okay, so so Kyle, tell me this. So with your single mate, you 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 obviously doing hatch hatch you know hatch raising, you know. Walk us through a little bit on how you run your program as far as you know. You said you move the cage over little by little. You know what kind of feed do you start them on? You know, do you feed them off the ground or or you know. How do you feed them? Because we are talking about Hawaii where you said it's a lot, a lot of rain. So I really would like to know how do you feed your chicks and how you care for your chicks um, living on the island? So I feed, I feed medicated starter. Um, and I, there's no specific timing where I change the finisher. I just, when, when they get bigger, I just change the finisher. Um, I, I leave the food by the uh, halfway under the cage with the mom. Because they, when they're young, they won't eat on their own. The mom's got to show them how to eat. So I leave it halfway under until they start eating on their own. Then I leave it outside of the cage. And uh, eventually when they go towards that cage where they end up all sitting in, I have a feeder hanging in there. And uh, uh, that and when I have a lot, you know, not a lot, but a lot for me, um, I have gutters. I, I put them in gutters out there. And uh, as far as wormer and stuff, um, I probably wormed the first time at about two months old, probably, okay. you know, when they're about two months, liquid wormer, nothing special. Um, and if, if I see like a sick dove or something flying around and I might, or if there's a lot of rain then I might run antibiotics, but other than that, I, I try not to give them any antibiotics and, and, and of course, after you run the antibiotics, you run probiotics. Right. And uh, vitamin, I run, I run vitamins every other day. So. Oh, you do run um, vitamins. That's the every whole other time. Day. For how long, yeah. though? Like until yeah. what age? Jeez, um, all the way up until I catch them. Okay. Until I gotta lock them up, which is like close to five, six, six months. Yeah. So is, is that something you have always done or is it something that pushed you towards giving them vitamin? Like, do you see a difference or have you always gave the, the birds vitamins every other day? Um, that's how I learned from my friend. Uh, he used to give them every day, but you, you give them too much, you use some start to pack themselves and stuff. So, you know, I, I, I give a little bit every day. I, I put it towards like, like us, uh, so take a multivitamin, take it every day, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I give it to them every other day. Not very much, but, you know, a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I, I use that concept when it comes to vitamins, you know. <clears throat> right. And it, it's worked for me. So, Kyle, tell me this. Uh, how do you deal with chicks and all that rain? Like, do you, 
you know what I mean? Like, how do you deal with chicks in all that rain? Because I know that that's a big challenge for a lot of people back in the States, you know, uh, raising chicks when there's a lot of rain, you know, and, and you said y'all guys rain pretty much all year long, right? You were saying or pretty much most of the year. Well, it's all it's yeah, it's always wet over here. It doesn't rain. And it's, you know, it's not like a heavy rain, although we did have about a month ago, it rained for about a month straight and it was heavy rain. And uh, that's when my chicks were just starting to hatch and I had to rescue a few bunches, you know, bring them in the garage because, because of how I have them with their moms, you know? Yeah. So they were in water and we had to go get them nine o'clock at night and whatnot and bring them in the garage. And, and yeah, you know, that was, that was an experience. I, where I raised chickens before it was about um, 40 minutes from here. And I mean, it's, that was beautiful weather up in Waimea. Um, over here, 40 minutes away is a lot more wet. And I've never, as one thing I've never experienced was eye worm in Waimea. But over here, that's the first time I, I experienced that. And, you know, it's from the cockroach that hold the parasite for that. But, uh, now yeah, explain that, that, that again, was uh, Kyle, because your, another... your thing, it was a delay. It was a delay in your, in your, uh, oh. audio. So you said that what gets from a cockroach? The eye worm. See, where I was in Waimea, the first time when I was raising chickens, I was in Waimea. And I didn't experience rain like like now. And, and I didn't. another thing I didn't experience was eye worm. In Waimea, I never saw that uh, until I came here. Um, but it's basically from the cockroach, you know, that um, mm. they hold a parasite. Um, yeah. And, and uh, so now you, over here, we got to eye worm chickens every time we worm chickens. So. And wow. a lot of the... Uh, the bitty, the bitties will get it because you know they're always running around eating bugs. So, you know, a lot of them will get it. Mm, that's the first I heard of that. So you said y'all deal with a lot of eye worms over there, huh? Yeah, we do. Um, luckily, uh, Excellence has a product for that. Um, right. You know, back in the day, I, I like I said, I've never saw that in forty minutes from here when I used to raise chickens. Uh, but once I came here, I saw a lot of it, you know. Right. And another thing about over here is the the fire ants are starting to spread pretty pretty bad over here. And uh, somebody took um their chicken to uh to the vet because mine's starting to get them now too. They got white spots on the eye, and my friend took what? his to the vet, and they said that's from the fire ants. Yeah. So wow. uh, I haven't. Talk to a vet myself, but uh, my, I see my chickens do have white spots on their eye and quite a bit of them. I was told it's from the fire ants. Um, I haven't Are you confirmed that so? yet with a vet myself, but. So when you say white spots on the eye, like when you're looking at the eye, it is white spots inside the eye? Or There's white spots the on the eye. eye, yeah. No, the on the eyeball. eyeball. Yeah. Wow. On the eyeball. So tell me this <clears throat> from your understanding, because like you say, you haven't verified the information, but from your understanding, is it is is the fire ants biting the ch chickens and it's causing something in their body to turn the spots, you know, put spots on the eyeball of the chicken? From your understanding? Uh, yeah, I I really don't. From what the uh, my friend told me, he said that they're they're going to the eye for water, and they're stinging them on the eye. 
But um, yeah, I, like I said, I haven't confirmed that, but there are a lot of fire here, which I've never experienced raising chickens the first time around in Waimea. So that's right. something new to me over here. But yeah, it's starting to get out of hand, actually. Yeah. So so basically, and they like the, the fires like wood. Go ahead, go ahead. No, so so basically, what I'm getting is you lived on a another part of the island when you was first in the chickens, and now the part of the island that you live in now, you didn't originally live there, correct? Right. Got you. So that's why you're dealing with stuff that you never dealt with before. Yes, correct. And and it's only a forty minute difference. 40 minutes distance that has got you dealing with stuff that you've never dealt with before. Eye worms, fire ants, all that kind of stuff, right? Correct. So 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 what we already know what you do for the eye worms. So what are y'all guys doing for those fire ants? Oh, uh, we I mean we can try and spray them. That's all we can do. Um they have granules for them, but when you got the chicks running around, you don't want to throw that stuff around, huh? It's yellow too, just like the chick feed. So, so I mm. throw that around. So, I mean, from when I started in chickens till till now, six years later, the fire ants have gotten probably ten times as worse. Wow! Have you how, how uh, as far as the weather? Are you getting a lot more rain than you did six years ago? Um, as the six years that. We've been here, I'd say there were two really bad um, wet seasons. <clears throat> and uh, a few months was, was one of them. And it was, oh, it was kind of bad. It was horrible. <clears throat> Tell me this. Dealing with all of that rain and, and moisture on the ground and stuff like that, do you run into a lot of sicknesses with your birds? Like, do your birds get the greens and all that kind of stuff? Do you run into any of those sicknesses with having raising birds and all that water and more in humidity oh uh, no i haven't had birds get sick just because it was wet um this last big rain i had i had one that that did get sick and i did have to put i did have to put him down but he was already he had problems already he was old and uh mm -hmm. so the, you know the rain just added to it so i just put him down but you know no, nothing like and and like I said, I, I I don't think I have enough chickens to really, you know. I think the more chickens you have, the more of a problem you're gonna have too when things like that arise. But um, as soon as it rains like that, like heavy rain like that, I'll, I'll run antibiotics in the feed. I'll put it in the feed. Okay. You know. Um, yeah. So so do you feed your, do you feed your birds on the ground or do you feed them in cups? Uh, my my stags in the cages and the hens in the cages. I feed them in cups. All the okay. string walks I feed them on the ground. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically their natural workout, to me, you know. Right, right. And, and and the only reason I ask that because I know a lot of times you hit the rainy seasons is really important. If you are feeding them on the ground, you never overfeed them because like if you overfeed them, and it's really wet out there, I just seen so many birds get sick because that that. At least in Puerto Rico, that high humidity, man, that, that food get molded like within almost the same day, it seems like. You know, you throw it out there first thing in the morning, all that humidity right, in the sun right. by the afternoon or late in the evening, that stuff be almost mold on the ground. 
if it's too much. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we just recently had a problem with a feed actually over here. There's a feed that a lot of us feed. Um, they switched out the oyster shell for some limestone rocks and lots of it. And, and at first we didn't notice it, but then after a while the birds didn't started not to eat all their feed, you know? Mm. So, um, I, you know, I'm thinking that they're just backing up, you know, and I didn't really notice it until, um, the birds were working within a cock house because I see it in a cup, you know, and lots, right. lots of rocks, you know, not just a little bit, lots of it. And there was no oyster shell in the feed anymore. So, um, yeah, we just had that, um, kind of fix that problem, but haven't got the batch yet that didn't have the rocks in it, but you know, right. That was going on for some months and, and the chickens weren't, weren't eating all their feet. And there was a lot of us that it was happening to, and they were getting crop bound and, and yeah, it was, wow. wasn't, wasn't a good thing. No, it's definitely not a good thing. And they did that because of the calcium. You know, they, they're trying to replace that calcium that they're getting from the oyster cells with that, with that rock, that line rock. But the, the problem is, is that's not the best source of calcium. You know what I mean? The, the oyster cells is the best source of calcium because it's pre, pre-digested, right. it's processed. You know, that, that rock is not processed. You know what I mean? So that ain't really the thing that kind of, you can't really, really replace it. You know, first of all, it's not the same quality. You know, as far as uh, birds being able to absorb it, they can't absorb that rock, that calcium from that rock like they do them oyster shells. But they throw that in there because on a label, they can still legally say X right. amount of calcium in there. You know, but the thing is, is, is it digestible or really good calcium? No, it's not really good calcium. I mean, I know the label says the same, but you got to always look at those ingredients because that rock is nowhere near the quality of oyster shells. Because, again, you got natural process right uh, uh uh calcium and then you got lime rock it doesn't it's not the same on the label it may say the same but it's not the same when it comes to the birds and i guess y'all guys seen that because your birds didn't want to eat it they didn't take they weren't, they weren't they weren't even eating some of them especially the hens you know they weren't eating already so and then you know that like like we were just talking about that that's where the problem comes in and moldy feet and rats, you know, yep. you know, I had, I had my neighbor just, just chop down a bunch of huge trees and they piled them up all along the fence along. So, you know, that wasn't good, but right. Yeah. So yeah, we, we ran into that problem for a while over here and there was a lot of us having that problem. So, so tell me this Kyle. So uh, you use a premix feed basically, right? Yeah, I do. Um, ready mixed feed, and it's a fifteen percent, and I run that the whole year with every bird. Only only birds that get different would be the uh, the hens that that we breeding. We go half half with lay pellets, and that's about it. I don't okay. change a feed at any time, but I I do run um, I run red cell every day. That's how I learned, and that's how I've been doing it ever since. Not much, but Every day. Every day, huh? So you do that with the with the hens that you're breeding mm -hmm. or all the birds in general? All the birds. All, all the um the older birds. The chicks get feed, the the broiler starter and friend. And their vitamins in the water. Uh, uh, stags, the cocks, the hens. I I um dilute it and then pour it on the feed. 
Okay. And I okay, feed that so every day. You feed it there. So your your birds basically. So you feed him wet. Are you feeding wet? Yeah, my feed is damp. Yeah, I mix I mix it with the the water mixture every day. Okay, got you, got you. That's what I. So Kyle, tell me something. I know not it's not off topic, but do you? How's the weather in Hawaii? Like January to December. Obviously, you're not getting four seasons, but is the is the temperature around the same throughout the whole entire year? It basically is over here. Is the summer the summers can be very hot where I live. I live in Lapahoy. The summers can be very hot and humid. In Waimea, 40 minutes away where I used to live, mm-hmm. it's cold. It's cold and it's fresh up there. It's, it, over there is God's country, you know. But over here is, is you know, at 40 minutes away in Waimea, there's no centipedes. There's no, um, you know, fire ants. There's no cokey frogs. At 40 minutes over here is loaded with all that, you know. So it's, it's a, wow. the climate changes around the island a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, you go by the beach, it's, it's like desert. It's hot, you know. Um, but the funny thing is, we are kind of like by the beach. We're kind of like by the ocean over here, but it's on the wet side of the island. So it's different. It's always damp, um, you know, and just muggy. Always muggy over here. Um, you would actually think there's these. You know, I know, I know what you mean by when you say that. You know, about the humidity right. and stuff. Right. And uh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, six years now back here, but totally different than the first time raising chickens, you know, in, in right. every aspect. Mongoose is yeah, all yeah. over the island. You deal with mongoose all over the island. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, Kyle, tell me this. Um, so you talked about your feed. You use a, 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 the same feed pretty much throughout the whole entire year, except with the breeding hens. You do half and half ready mix and half lamb pellets um do you worm like as far as i know you said you don't re- really do too much antibiotics and stuff like that but do you worm on a regular like how is it do, do you need to worm like every month out there with that weather or something you don't do um you know i i probably don't worm every month uh, especially during the molt I'll, I'll i'll worm them right before the molt and i won't touch them till till they're done molting you know, and um, I I run Valbazin almost all year round, and before a show, I might I'll probably run Astig, but all year round, just about if I do worm them, it's gonna be liquid and Valbazin. That's what I use. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it's it's easy, it's fast, and it's good. It works. Mm-hmm. So you don't really worm them every month. You pretty much just worm them as needed, or. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I never really counted days, but I mean, maybe I would probably say more, more like once every two months might be more accurate, you know? Okay. Um, and of course, before you show them, you're going to, you know, I worm with something different just to change right. it up for them. But uh, yeah, I basically use um, valves in year round and yeah, probably every two months, every you two know, months. I mean, I, I don't really see a major problem. If anything, the problem will be because I'm so small, the problem, if any, I'm going to have is going to probably be with, with uh, mites or lice because my chicks run closely to 
run around. They free range closely to where my roosters are. So, mm. you know, if if anything of a problem, I'm gonna have it. It's gonna be that. It's gonna be. So, what do you do <clears throat> to deal with that? Um, I spray. I spray. Um, I spray just um basic yard spray. Adam's yard spray around the where they go up in the trees or uh, um and stuff and. Basically, is uh, um, the what is it called? See, I forget what's called that I use, but it's an oil based um spray that I use on the roosters. Mm-hmm. So it lasts like fourteen days on them. The spray when I when I when worm lice cut beaks, I do that all one time. I worm everything all one time. So um, when I do that, I hit the yard too at night um with the yard spray. You know, wherever they where they hang out, wherever they run around, um, just just so it's you know, not a waste of time doing the birds. If you know the the ones you're running around still have them, so right, <clears throat> right. So so Kyle, tell me this um, first, and I've got to ask you: like, how many birds do you have total? Pretty much, you think at your highest capacity? <clears throat> um. Maybe 50 to 60 roosters, you know, mm-hmm. not much at all. Right. 50 to 60 roosters. Um, I would love to expand someday, you know. Um, but it keeps you busy. At the, we at live the, with the in-laws, so that's just how it is. It, yeah. Right. It keeps you busy and you're happy. So we don't, you know what I mean? I mean, I can tell you, you know, going to a lot of places, especially some of those big farms, I could never... <laughs> have any desire to ever have a large farm i mean to me a hundred is like it probably would be my maximum i think like a hundred i think a hundred is a lot you know guys like a hundred are you crazy but a hundred is a lot you know what i mean um i think it, again it, it could keep you really really busy just depending on what kind of time you have and stuff that is like that. That's a, that's a... yeah a hundred a hundred is a lot you know what I mean? And guys are out here with thousands, right. but a hundred to me is a lot, you know, especially if you don't have a big old farm. So yeah, so a hundred well just taking care of roosters, that, that's a lot of time right there. <laughs> that, that is a lot, man. It's a lot of time. It is a it, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of time. Um, especially if you're a one man band, you know what I mean? And uh you know, a hundred roosters, then you're going to have some hens and some chicks and stuff like that. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, I'm talking with a friend of mine and, you know, he's like, man, I think I bred too much this year. He's like, I think I'm going to have like 300 and 300. He's like, it's just way too much. And it's not like the lack of land is a fact that, that, you know, you got to have like certain systems in place. Like the more chickens you get, you got to adjust your system to, to work with that many chickens. Like you can't have the same system that you had when you only had 25. And or, or 50, and now you got 300. Right. You know, you got to change up a lot of things and you start. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to change up a lot of things. You start encountering different sicknesses and diseases that you never dealt with before. So it does make a difference depending on how many, how many birds you have, you know, out there on a farm. So yeah, def- tell me. I definitely Kyle, think. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. That's fine. So, no, I was going to ask you, you know, do y'all guys vaccinate or at least do you vaccinate on an island? 
I vaccinate for pox. That's that's the only thing I vaccinate for. Uh, because there's a lot of mosquitoes over here, the pox can spread pretty quick. So uh, mm-hmm. that's about all I I vaccinate for is pox. Um, nothing else. Okay. So you don't have. I mean, I feed medicate feed. Else. I mean, I've got a problem, so. Nope. Got you. Got you. So you don't have a big issue. So tell me this. Uh, is is Does a lot of people on an island vaccinate or is vaccination not a really big thing on an island? Or just really depends on what island you on and what part of the island, like from your experience? Um, I, I have a friend that, that raises quite a bit of chickens. He also only vaccinates for pox. Um, I've seen him um, vaccinate for CRD before, but um, there's just not enough research on that. In fact, the research research says that it doesn't really work. So, uh, um, yeah, we don't we don't vaccinate for that. I mean, he doesn't either. So, I, I mean, I cannot speak for everybody. I haven't been to a lot. On a big farm, I don't know what. Never heard of anybody really having a problem with any kind of sickness. Right. A lot of sickness. Okay. Well, that that. I mean, again, I think uh, you know, talking to people in different part in different parts of the world, you know, sometimes it's just amazing that they, you know, you would think, and, and I can, and I'll be honest, I would think, you know been on an island with that much rain and, and and stuff like that i was like you know what? i wonder if they deal with a lot of you know birds getting the greens uh-oh guys i think his uh i think his phone died well guys it's at an hour so that actually is longer than we expected the interview to last but it looks like our special guest phone may have died which i told you at the beginning of the interview that uh we tried doing mic check and video check that we realized that uh his we couldn't plug his phone in and uh and and do the interview at the same time because it caused a lot of static and audio but uh like i said at the beginning of the interview that we're going to do like a part two um if we could not finish the interview but i think that's what happened i think his phone has has died i told him you know before we started maybe try to keep an eye on it so we can kind of let y'all guys know but again guys that was kyle with 5K Game Farms out there in Hawaii on the big island. Uh, we didn't get to finish. I had still had some few more questions to ask him. Um, I hope you all guys enjoyed the interview so far. We'll probably have Kyle come back on again. Um, like I say, I know his phone died. He told me that, you know, that was going to be a big challenge with doing an interview with the fact that holding charge with the phone. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I hope you all guys enjoyed the information. I know there were some questions inside the uh comment section and i didn't really get to many of them i didn't actually get to any of them due to the fact that i know the interview could could uh be short and it was a delay in the audio and stuff and uh with his battery being on limited um but i appreciate y'all guys checking in i see uh, a lot of guys checked in from all over the place again guys this was another great interview we're gonna have kyle on again I see a lot of guys are just looking through some of the comments and stuff like that. But Kyle's from the Big Island of Hawaii, and I wanted to bring him on. He's the third Hawaiian that we have actually had on the show, and I wanted to bring him on to get an idea of how it was to raise birds out there uh, on an island. You know, different climate, you know, humidity challenge, a lot of rain. 
stuff that I feel as though that a lot of us is, is challenged with here back in the mainland. Um, I know it's something that's very common. Um, he said they don't really, you know, he does run antibiotics when he's getting a lot of rain. But other than that, he doesn't really run many antibiotics. Um, we do like a kind of little recap of what he talked about. You know, he has his three lines um, and uh, the Goldens, the Pumpkins and the Blacks. Um, all the birds was gifted to him. You know, he started breeding each individual line and he does breed them like that because he made crosses. Um, he has a small farm. He said about 50, 60 uh, roosters. Um, so he doesn't have a big farm. But again, guys, like I always say, this small to medium sized game farm is really the backbone of the sport. So I like to bring a lot of guys like that on because there's a lot of information that many of us can completely relate to um, because it's different systems. You know, how somebody feed a thousand birds is going to be a lot different than how somebody feed 50 birds. So, uh, you know, you, the bigger you get, you got to alter and adjust your system. We deal with a lot more challenges, sicknesses and stuff like that in some cases. Um, on the island, he said that he doesn't do any vaccination besides for pox. Um, that's the only thing that he sees to have a challenge with. And that's a result of, you know, the island has a lot of mosquitoes, which is a result of the climate. Um, that's why they have a lot of mosquitoes. Um, but again, guys, this was a great, great interview. I've seen a lot of guys, Mr. Mark Muggs checking in. A lot of people checking in from all over. So I really hope y'all guys enjoyed this interview. I apologize for the interview being cut short, but that was just all the result. Uh, that was just all result, um, you know, I mean, of, of his battery dying. But we'll we'll have Kyle back on again. Any questions that y'all have in the comments, we'll try to make sure that uh, we will, uh, you know, get those questions answered the next time um, he's on the show. I'm just actually looking at some of the comments in the comment section um, to see if I can answer any. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. from time to time, yeah. Jay, we need to get you on the show, dude. We need to get you on the show. Jay has been hiding, man. Jay Sanchez has been and been hiding. I don't know why he's hiding. Uh, but like I say, guys, it's the interview was cut short, which I warned y'all of that uh, coming in. You know, the interview may be cut short because of the battery. But again, we're going to bring him on. Uh, we'll bring him on again. Uh, guys, also, too, just to let y'all know, if y'all watching from YouTube, make sure y'all hit that subscribe button and notification button bell so you know the next time we go on live same thing with uh, if you're watching from uh facebook make sure you hit that uh like button and that follow button share the information i think these interviews are extremely important look if the information can't help you maybe they can help somebody that you know so i always say just try to share the information don't keep it to yourself it's always each one teach one it's the whole purpose of doing these interviews just bringing people on from different backgrounds uh, different situations, different areas of the world, because it's always something that we may or may not be able to learn. And I always say it's best to have the information before you need it than to need the information um, and, and then have to go search for it. Uh, I don't know if y'all guys had the opportunity to go over to the Journey to the Pit YouTube uh, channel, but all the interviews besides a few of them is on there. I recommend if you haven't watched all of them to watch them. Because a lot of times I see people asking questions, that, and the questions have already been answered. You know what I'm saying? But they just don't take the time to watch the interview. But when they run into a problem, then they reach out to the person and say, hey, how do you do this or what I do about that? And I'm like, well, you know what? To be honest, if you watch that person's interview, you will probably find the answer to that question. So uh, I just encourage y'all guys, if y'all haven't watched uh, all the interviews on Journey to the Pit, they're also on Spotify too. 
because we got the podcast. So you can listen to the interviews on Spotify. Just search Journey to the Pit 362 on Spotify. You'll find us there wherever you hear your podcast. Uh, all the interviews pretty much are on the podcast. We'll be updating the podcast this weekend to add some more interviews on there. So y'all have them on there, you know, so if you can't watch them on YouTube, sometimes it's a better situation to be able to listen to them on podcasts. Throw your phone in your pocket, put your earphones on, be working out in the yard and listen to the uh, interviews on a podcast. But again, guys, there is no reason. There's no reason. It is literally hundreds of years, hundreds of years of experience on those Journey to the Pit interviews on a YouTube channel. Um, and they all in one place. You ain't got to go searching for them. They all in one place place very easy very simple same thing with the journey to the pit podcast very easy very simple i cannot say it enough i do not understand why people do not take the time out to listen or watch these interviews um i don't know if it's a human nature thing that people don't see the value in the information until they need it but i have i get so many questions and messages about topics, about issues, about concerns that we have already covered in a Journey to the Pit interviews. Um, you know, guys, we all know the average person is spending about five hours a week on Facebook, mindlessly scrolling through social media posts and feeds and comments and all that kind of stuff. Five hours a week. That's not my, that's not, you know, my opinion. That's, that's data from Facebook. You know, they said the average person is spending about five hours a week on a platform. So I say like this, spend five hours a week watching those interviews. Some people have religiously listened to them and watched them over and over and over. And you can learn a lot. Every single possible topic that you can think of is covered in those Journey to the Pit interviews. From breeding, genetics from a scientific point of genetics to, you know, the, it, just, just the practical experience approach. Of, of genetics, you know what I'm saying? It's covered on all angles. All the sicknesses is covered. You know, the bitty programs is covered. Antibiotics is covered. Vaccinations is covered. Yard setups is covered. Every single possible aspect of game farm is covered in those interviews. If you want to learn how to breed, watch the interviews. There's big breeders and there's small breeders, but they all discuss their breeding tactics and formulas or how they use their methods and stuff. Dr. Fabio did two uh, long interviews, and he talked about the scientific interpretation of breeding. If you want to know breeding from a scientific interpretation, watch the Dr. Fabio interviews. He go, we do two interviews of his. He goes into those interviews from a, a again, a scientific aspect. He break it down from a scientific aspect. Watch his interviews if you want to understand breeding from the scientific. I hear people say, oh, well, you know, what's better, the hen or the cock? Well, watch the interview. You know, watch the interview. He explained what characteristics come from the hen versus what characteristics come from the cock. The information is there. If people want to know how you worm, the information is there. People want to know, you know, how to work an incubator. The information is there. All of this information is there. It's just mind-boggling that individuals do not want to take the time to watch the interviews until they have a problem. And then when they have a problem, they ask the same person that we have already interviewed the same question that we covered in the interview. Take the time to watch the interview. I have the information. 
Y'all guys out there, stop treating y'all brain like y'all paying for storage. You can't never know too much. You know what I mean? I mean, I said that the other day. Stop treating your brain like you paying for storage. You're not paying for storage. The storage in your brain is free. So fill it up. You know what I mean? You don't have to contact nobody to add more storage to your brain. You know, so learn it. Watch, take the time. Watch the interviews. There is so we have interview big time farms, medium sized farms, small farms, famous cockers, cockers that you never heard of. You know what I mean? Interview cockers from all over from the Philippines, you know, Hawaii, the states, all over the United States, all over the United States. Um, so all we cover all the different climates, everything, you know, everything. I cannot again. It's a resource that I hear so many people say when I was coming into sport, you know, it was so hard to get information. Now we got all the information. It's so hard to, to get people to sit down and listen to the information. Um, that's why I to put the stuff on a podcast. I put it on a podcast because some people was like, oh, I got, you know, I don't like to be on Facebook that much. OK, I put them on YouTube. Then put them on YouTube. Oh, well, you know, the thing about it on YouTube, you know, it's a video. You know, so it's kind of hard to listen to. Okay, then I put them on a podcast. You know what I mean? I put them on all the platforms to eliminate all the excuses. And what I come to realize is all of that was just nothing but a bunch of excuses. Because at the end of the day, you can listen to it on straight audio. If you don't have Facebook, a lot of guys are like, oh, I don't have Facebook. I don't do Facebook. Okay, I put it on YouTube. Then when I put it on YouTube, oh, the videos conk out when I put my phone in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? So... Again, guys, the people out there that want to learn, that is trying to definitely up their game, that is trying to learn as much as they can before they need the information, they're the ones that's taking the time to watch the interviews. You know, um, again, there's no benefit in me watching the interviews because everybody I interview, I already know these people. You know, I already know these people. I, have, I conversate with these people. I talk with these people. I'm friends with these people. So I already know these people. I already got access to all this information. You know, and uh, I'm just trying to create this so everybody else can have access to the information um, and share it. Share the information. Don't hold it to yourself. Share the information. You know, we're living in a glorious time where we got people giving out free information that before really wouldn't give out a bunch of free information. And now we got it given access to thousands and actually hundreds of thousands of people. Um, with that, that's gaining access to this information that otherwise would not have it, that otherwise would, would not have it. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, that's pretty much what it is in a nutshell. Yeah. I've seen all the interviews. Great info. Yeah. Salvador. Yeah. And I'll be, you know, like I said, I know a lot of guys do watch it. You know, I look at the, the analytics on YouTube and, and it's about 40,000 hours. Of the interviews are being watched. Um, about 40,000 hours. The amazing part is a lot of those 40,000 hours are almost like outside of the United States. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just used to scratch my head and I'm like, I'm interviewing a lot of people from the States, but it seems like the majority of the people who's watching the interviews, at least from the YouTube aspect are outside of the United States. Um, so I don't know, maybe the people in the States don't see the value in the interviews. So I don't know. Um, NATO dealing, no action, talk only. Yeah, I, I hear that, Jay. Jay said the <laughs> I'm just reading some of the comments. I don't know if y'all guys can see the comments, man. But, uh, you know, again, share this information. Because the, the more educated we are as a breeder, 
the better the birds will be. Every generation, the more educated a generation is, the better products they can produce. So the better educated this generation is, we can produce better birds for the next generation. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. Um, so that's why it's important to share this information. You know what I mean? For the glory of the sport. You know, for the glory of the sport. So that's it in a nutshell. I'll be doing a, actually, I'll be doing an Instagram live after this. So if any of y'all guys got Instagram, Journey to the Pit 362 on Instagram. Um, follow us over there on Instagram, Journey to the Pit 362 on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit that bell so you get that notification. Um, if you're on Facebook, Journey to the Pit 362 Facebook fan page, make sure you hit that follow and that like button on that fan page. Again, share, 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 share. It's extremely important that we share because a guy could be dealing with a situation right now, don't know he's doing something wrong. And uh, an interview can save him two years of time and a bunch of heartache and maybe save him some money. So that's why I think, you know, we have a duty to share this information. I think we have a responsibility to try to educate and help out our fellow Gamefowl breeders. Because at the end of the day, we're all on the same team. You know, regardless if you're going to be competing against them or not, who wants to see somebody losing birds when, you know, they know there's information that can help them? You know what I mean? And don't wear your ego on his shoulder. There's nothing wrong with somebody learning something also from somebody else. You don't have to be the only person that's doing all the teaching. You know, you don't have to be the only person doing all the teaching. Oh, you said your wife banned you. Thaddeus said his wife banned him from Instagram. <laughs> well, you know what, guys? There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of reasons on this social media. Some, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I say social media is a tool, just like a firearm. You know, all depends on how you use it. Um, and, and I choose, I don't think social media is a bad thing. I think the behavior of some individuals on social media is a bad thing. But again, I can't so say social media is a bad thing. Social media has allowed Journey to the Pit to impact hundreds of thousands of people's lives all over the world. Not the country, but all over the world. So if it wasn't for social media, you know, um, again, Journey to the Pit has, has, has been able to do what it's been able to do because of social media. So I can't say anything bad about it. You know what I mean? If you complain about it, look, like that he said, you just got to get off of it. But uh, we all know social media is full of a bunch of nonsense, but there is some great information on there. If that's what you're looking for. But if you're looking for nonsense, you're going to find it. If you're looking for information, you can find it right here at Journey to the Pit. So, guys, I'm going to chime off. There's not a lot of comments coming in. I appreciate y'all guys hanging out. We'll probably do part two. Of, uh, of Kyle's interview. I apologize once again for his phone dying, but it's something I warned y'all guys about at the beginning of the interview that it was a possibility that that may happen. But it looks, we still covered a lot. You know, we still covered a lot. You know what I mean? And, and uh, Kyle just been back into the sport for six years now, and I wanted to bring him on because, again, he's a smaller farm. You know, a lot of us can relate to that. A lot of us can relate to him. Um, but he's a smaller farm, and I like to bring guys like that on the show as well. Uh, because, again, the information that they share a lot of times is something that can be used by a lot of people like right now. Um, and also, too, it gives you a different, you know, a different perspective. Like everybody's farm is not fancy. Everybody's farm is not big. Everybody doesn't use antibiotics. Everybody doesn't vaccinate. Everybody don't change the feed. Everybody doesn't worm every month. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's good to bring people on with a whole bunch of different perspectives because sometimes, you know, we don't realize that. We're not the only ones doing what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? We might think we're the only ones doing what we're doing, but some when you watch these interviews, you realize that you're not the only one doing what you're doing. 
Some guys like, oh, I hear people worm every month. I don't worm every month. I wonder, is that a bad thing? Well, there's a lot of guys out here who doesn't worm every month, and they're doing okay. And there's a lot of guys out here who do worm every month. They have their reasons to, and they're doing okay. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the things that people get from these interviews is the fact that, you know, you got to do what works for you. And you got to try to learn as much as you can learn because it's always good to have the information before you need it. I know so many people be looking for answers for stuff. And it's things that they actually could have learned before they needed it. And, and you can't learn everything. I know that. I know you can't learn everything. But, um, you know, uh, the Journey to the Pit um, YouTube channel, I call it Journey to the Pit 362 University because it's literally like a college, like a university. It covers every single aspect of game foul breeding, ownership, and everything. Every single aspect. Every single aspect. And you can take somebody who's new to the sport, and if they sit down and dedicate themselves to watching those interviews or listening to them on a podcast, I promise you, you can get 40 years of knowledge in a short period of time. Literally. You can literally get 40 years of knowledge in a short period of time. Um, I also would like to say uh, a lot of the people that we bring on you know, I, I give kudos to them. I thank them so much because they're a, it's only a small group in our community that really want to share information. To me, that's sad, but it's the reality. You know, there's not a lot of people in our community that really want to share information. Um, they have their reasons, and I, and I respect it, and I'm not judging it. But, you know, the sad part about it, about that is there's a, a lot of people that, will come to the sport. There's a lot of people that would stay in the sport a lot longer if they had a helping hand. You know, some people can take, can only take so much losing. Some people can only take, you know, so many birds dying, you know, before they throw the towel in. And I think sharing information, it does two things. It allows people to breed better birds and take care of them better. But then also too, I think it keeps a lot more people in the sport because who wants to struggle? You know, everybody know you got to go through a struggle but who want to continuously struggle year after year after year and all because of the lack of information? You know what I'm saying? So on Journey to the Pit, we don't talk about anything illegal. We just sharing information. We're not talking about anything illegal and uh, coming on the show to talk about how you, you know, do uh, stock selection, you know, how you feed, how you worm, how you use the incubator, you know, your understanding of genetics. You know, I don't see what's the problem with sharing that type of information. I personally don't. I don't see, you know what I'm saying? I don't see what, what's the problem. Um, but again, there's a lot of guys out there that have no interest in doing it, and I respect that. Um, but I hope that Journey to the Pit will be able to continuously find people that's willing to come out, share non-illegal information, because on Journey to the Pit, we don't talk about anything illegal because there's so much more to this sport than showing chickens, um, and depending on where you're located at. Uh, but it's so much more to this sport, and that's the information that we need to be sharing, that 362. That is the information that we need to be sharing. The feeding, the care, the breeding, the culling, the yard setups, you know, setting goals, all of that kind of information. I mean, that information to me is golden, and that's the information to me that needs to be shared. Um, and then let them figure out the other aspect of it, if that's what they choose to do. But, 
you know, again, guys, I can't thank y'all guys enough. Appreciate y'all guys following and hanging out with us tonight. Um, I'm going to get ready to get off of here and go on Instagram. Um, and some different things I talk about on that. Um, yeah, Jesse. Well, I'm about to end this live stream now, Jesse, so you can uh, chime back in and, and watch it from the beginning. Um, our special guest tonight, his phone died, which we knew that was pretty much going to happen. But uh, he did share some good information. Small-time breeder uh, from the big island in Hawaii. And I think it was a very educational uh, interview. Got to see some different perspectives on how you're doing different things. And, again, just hearing it from a small-time guy, doesn't have a big operation, been back in the sport six years, uh, raising his son in the sport. And I think that's a really, really cool thing. So we'll bring him back on the show. Um, as always, on Monday, we'll be posting who our next week guest is. Um, I'll let y'all guys know, obviously, on Monday when that will be posted up. I right, Please, again, guys, uh, share and make sure you subscribe. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that bell notification. And, and again, guys, share the information. I can't say it enough. Share it, share it, share it, because there's a game breeder out there struggling with something that he really don't have to be struggling with. Um, the information is in one of these interviews. you know. But if you don't know the interviews exist, then obviously he can't watch them. So I need y'all guys' help in doing that. But other than that, that's it. Guys, I'm going to chime out until next week, Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern St Standard Time. Stay focused, stay positive, and stay blessed, and I'll see y'all then. Have a good night.